Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Vinyl Pioneer Podcast. My name is Nick Palumba, and I'm going to be your host again for today. Uh, today we got two very different albums coming up. Um, I'm not going to say it right now. I'm just going to do them as I go. I mean, you're going to see them in the description anyway, but whatever. Well, leave a little mystery. No, not really. Um, so first album, though, um, we're going to be talking about the 1971 classic, Carol King's Tapestry. Um this album i found shout out to the surf mall in ocean city new jersey they got a pretty cool vinyl collection most of it's overpriced and represses but if you dig deep enough somebody's grandparents just dumped them there for some reason and i found this beauty for three bucks in perfect condition pretty much um and i've i remember like listening to it my uh my uh dad's uh, family would play it a lot, my, uh, my aunts, really, but, uh, I mean, I just re-listen, I, mean, I haven't listened to it in, like, oh, god, how long has it been, like, I went, and I got this album my senior year, at the end of my senior year of high school, so I've had this for about three years now, I don't think I've listened to it all the way through until now, since then, um, I listened to it a bit, like, you know, that summer, but it's a very much, like, a chilled out, like, summer afternoon album um yeah but it's i mean the composition on it is insane uh some of the tracks that i was thinking about talking about i mean uh, the first track i feel the earth move the piano in that really just shows off the insane uh dynamics that carol king has um on the piano you know she can you know, keep the rhythm with the chords and everything but then she goes off on this massive tear during the uh uh, for a riff, and it was, I mean, it's just amazing, I mean, the whole song in general is great, that her lyrics are, throughout this album, is something that I'll be touching on, but the piano playing in this specific album really comes to life, and you don't see it as powerful throughout the rest of the album, but this one, it's a great title track to get, um, not set the tone, because the tone shifts throughout the album, but definitely uh, changes it up throughout it. Um, so the next one is So Far Away, lyrically about a, um, a long-distance relationship and just, like, or missing a person that, you know, lives far away now. You just want to be back close with them. It just sums it up very beautifully. Um, the Walking Bass Line by Charles Larkley, who is Carol King's second husband and worked with her on this album. With her first husband, by the way. It's a weird one. Um, he, his bass playing throughout this whole album, just like Carol's piano playing, is just amazing flawless throughout the whole damn album however this uh song the walking bass line that he uses and how they bring the bass to the forefront of the mix just culminates into this amazing song um with very powerful vocals you really can see her um carol king's range in this album or this song my bad i mean the throughout the whole album too but she really gets up there. She gets, like, um, really powerful with her vocals at some point. Um, other than that, though, one of the iconic... Uh, oh, wait, I forgot. Also, the uh, during the bridge, they throw in a flute, I believe it was. I can double-check that, actually, because on the back of the album, it has all the musicians. Yeah, Flute by Curtis Amy. And it you don't really hear much, like, that kind of stuff throughout it, but it's... It's definitely a good change of tone, and it adds a lot to the uh, the uh, the flute adds a lot of a different tone throughout the song, and it kind of closes out nicely with that little bridge.
the main song though on this, uh, it's too late. It's <laughs> it's too late. Really, just picks up the tempo throughout this whole album, um, creating this idea of like this past relationship that already happened. Uh, don't know who Carol's talking about, her ex-husband or some other one or someone else. But it's just like, you know, hey, whatever times that were there, they happened, they were great, but we're going to move on from that. And it culminates this amazing track on there um, where the lyrics are just, you know, talking about trying to make something work. Um, other ones that really stand out on this album, Home Again, the drums on this one just really pop with the snare. I mean, that's the main thing on that song. Going down more, I mean, now this one is really where the the combination of uh, Larkley and King's piano and bass playing and Carol King's writing culminate with "You Got a Friend." This one, this one just kind of flows so naturally. Of you know, I think it was also kind of it represents her and Larkley's relationship even years down the line because they didn't stay together for too long. They were only together for six years, I think it was. But continually, he still played bass with her. Her uh, ex-husband, she still worked with him. He still helped actually write, I believe, one or two of these songs. But I don't think it was. Yeah, no, it wasn't You Got Friend. But there was uh, one on here that he helped uh, co-write. But he's like... <laughs> But she, um, I mean, it's just like this connection she felt with these people. She's like, you know, even though the relationship didn't last, it, we're still, I mean, we're still close. I'm still going to be there for you. And it's just a beautiful song to both those people and just a friendship in general. But the whole song culminates very nicely on this album. And finally is this last track that, um, uh, it's, it dynamically perfectly waves, woves, weaves. Weaves, woves, wove. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it, it, yeah, Carol King's natural vocals and the piano just it mixes together. Oh, this is the one that her uh, ex-husband was um, co-wrote. Um, I believe this was one of their older songs from the last album that they redid. But she, uh, the piano and her voice and the doubling on the chorus of it just brings it together as a nice final um song for the album in general i mean the one like main thing i can say about this album it's like the perfect like boring sunday album in the nicest way possible like boring in the sense that you have nothing to do and you can just you put this on you just listen to these old 70s jams um with the piano and the bass and just like carol's lyrics in general which just are very soothing the um the album cover is iconic as well taken by jim mccrary probably pronouncing that wrong yeah no jim mccrary all right cool get that right um it's just like i mean it's just i mean this this is why i say it's a lazy sunday album it looks like it was just taken on a normal day at her place her cat's in the forefront of it, but he's still, like, a little blurry. So, like, she's focused in, but the cat's blurry in front of her. And she's just chilling on the window still. And it's just, like, it seems like she doesn't have a care in the world, not thinking about anything else. It seems, like, almost, like, spur in the moment um, with this album. Also, like, just, it <laughs> it screams his, uh, hipster arrogance. Not arrogance. Um, just hipster vibes in general. Because the front cover nowadays, you would be like, oh, that could be, like, a cover on any, like indie pop indie rock uh album but you open the inside and it's got all these 
uh, lovely pictures of like the band when they were um, recording and everything. Old pictures of Carol and like Larky with the long hair and the mustache. <laughs> it actually is kind of funny seeing all these old pictures. But then it all um, unfolds into this like sweater that's like sewn up um, that like with a picture of a house in a field or whatever. And it's just like I said, it just exudes this like comfiness almost with it um that just like can't be matched by i think like any other record i mean you really don't hear anything else like this even like her later stuff you don't hear the same kind of down-to-earth feel uh album before this which was oh i want to say it was whispers but i'm probably wrong probably, let's just say her last album was um more acoustic um and you can really see that she was trying to bring more instrumentation into it and I think it works amazingly uh, throughout this album. Uh, again, I don't like numbers. I hate doing this. The number is... I don't know, man. As a 1971 classic, you can definitely hear the limitations that they had um, in the studio. They obviously had a lot of just get in a big room, put microphones up, and just play it together. This is kind of before they kind of... We're figuring out how to do some crazy stuff with multi-tracks and all that. Um, despite that, the piano like quality is so crystal clear that it feels unmatched at this point by like a lot of other musicians out there. Uh, closing, <laughs> closing number, I guess. Like, I don't know, <laughs> nine out of ten, I guess. It's a, like you say, you gotta look at the limitations that they had and the album that they were able to put out. Um, and like I said, this, the vibe of it is just unmatched by anything you see today of just a lazy afternoon almost, um, which is just amazing in general. Switching gears, however, we got <laughs> very much switching gears. The 2015 um, debut of uh, Jeff Rosenstock. This was his debut, right? I might be wrong, actually, on that one. Um, Jeff Rosenstock's album, uh, a.k.a. We Cool? Question mark. Um, <laughs> It's, um, yeah, 2015, uh, Jeff Rosenstock was in, I mean, this is when he, now he's old now. Oh God, I don't even want to say that. He's not old. Um, uh, <laughs> he's, um, but he's more experienced in this album, uh, played with arrogant sons of bitches back in the day, and then really broke out with, um, bomb the music industry with this fast paced punk that a lot of people weren't seeing in the early two thousands when it was predominantly, uh, underground indie rock at the time he really kind of kept this diy ska movement going underground um and this is his solo break decide you know what gonna put it out on my own work through that at least with one side though one side dummy records which they put out a gorgeous record by the way i got this like bright green one it's it's i love it i love it um this album though uh when did i really get into this i was probably Oh God, I must have been like 16. I, yeah, was I 16? I was 16 at the time. Um, I remember this vividly. We had a park. <laughs> we had a park. Uh, I was a junior. Oh, no, no, no. Was I 16? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was like 16. Um, you had a park if you were a junior in the mall parking lot. You weren't supposed to, but we did anyway. And then you would walk across the highway and then walk down the road to get to the high school. And I remember hearing about Jeff Rosenstock and being like, wow, like, um, I forget who I who I heard it from, actually. Um, I might have been the frights that were talking about it. 
as an inspiration. And I was into the Frights and Fiddler very heavily at the time. And I was like, yeah, this is like DIY punk. And then I, <laughs> then I, uh, then I listened to Jeff Rosenstock. I'm like, oh, wow, no, this is, this is real, like, DIY type of stuff. Um, but I just remember, like, putting it on and listening to You in Weird Cities. And, like, as I'm walking, it was, like, the perfect, like, timing of it to get to the school. And as I'm walking in, the song ends. I'm like, okay, I got to listen to the rest of this album. Uh, the rest of the album holds up amazingly as well. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it, you at this point, I forget how old he is. He's got to be in his... Um, late 30s early 40s now he's a lot older um not that much older like mid 40s but he was kind of getting to this age where i guess he felt like very different than the scene around him um you got all these young guys who were like fiddler and the frights who are like early 20s start doing this at 17 coming into the scene and you know really making a splash same with swimmers all those guys and he's been working at it for years and i i would i would feel a disconnect from the community but putting this out just kind of puts it in perspective oh it's not you know songs about different things but they're still it's still inherently this diy punk look uh the tracking through it the track these tracks are all like i mean personally just because i love this I mean, I love his other album, but this one, like, it's just, like, song after song's great. Get Old Forever is just, you know, him talking about, again, getting old, man. It's, <laughs> he's just, like, he feels like everyone's, like, moving away, and but he still wants to try and stick to it. Um, cool dr drums and noise throughout it. Uh, the whole guitar throughout this, so I will say, Jeff Rosenstock's playing. It's fast, it's loud, and it's unapologetic to anything. Uh, just really something you can get behind uh, with this album. Uh, the ones the song I was talking about earlier, you in which you in weird cities. He really emphasizes, you know, he's losing friends. Which it, even at, you know, twenty years old, I can kind of relate to moving away from your hometown, being somewhere else. You you lose touch with people, and it sucks. It really does, and you try your best, but hard when everyone's spread out now but you still want to be close to each other uh nausea is the next track i had up um he plays piano in this <laughs> and i love it because then in i forget oh god is it oh it's post post he um which is two albums two albums is it oh gosh yeah oh god um <laughs> it just makes me feel uh like, man, this album really is older than I thought. It's five years old. Wow. Um, but Nausea talks about, it's like the anxiety uh, when you're going on the road and the touring lifestyle, just being in these crappy hotels and motels and being on the road. And I love it because it's just like, you know, you never do, you would never do the stuff you do at home when you're on tour. So it just works perfectly. Fears Again Alone falls into that where being the sense of isolation, um, all your friends are doing their own thing, whether it's family life or they're younger and they're focusing on other things, school or work, and you're, you know, kind of stuck alone by yourself. And it's like, well, what else will I do? I'll drink beers, I guess. So Beers Again Alone, again, another great track, uh, really brings out his creative writing throughout that. Um, I'm Serious I'm Sorry is probably one of the younger tracks on here in the sense that it feels like he's talking about being at a high school party and something happened at the time it feels like the biggest deal in the world and then like 
maybe later it doesn't, but it, it, it feel you can really feel like the pain in his voice when he's singing this a lot. Um, you know, feeling bad, watching his friends get tense and freak out and like, but it, it has this young youthfulness to it. Hey, Allison is just seems like a very lovely song to his friend, whoever Allison is. I don't know, but um, you know, looking at the Jersey skyline, she's in a real bad mood. It's just kind of these classic lines that uh make it great um throughout this. Again, uh, also I gotta shout out the uh the uh bass player. Bass player is amazing throughout this uh creating. While you know, it's hard to put in a great bass line when you got this fast loud guitar he implements it great in certain areas that it just comes alive hall of fame is again uh it feels like a song where you're worried about what kind of legacy you're leaving behind what people are going to remember you as and like uh, maybe no one really will care when it's all said and done it's kind of a it, it's one of the more depressing songs but it still keeps a very upbeat attitude to it and finally, I mean, well, I mean, not finally, not finally. The uh, the lows um, is the last track I really want to talk about. This track is very much where I think he realizes that, like, oh, people really do have different lifestyles at this point in your life, and you're, you know, you're you're crashing on couches and having fun and playing these great like shows, and you're you're loving life, but like to everyone else, it it, it doesn't seem that way. And it kind of feels like you're at a low point when really you're just, you know, this is your, this is your life. And that's okay, you know, kind of doing this road thing. I honestly wish I could do the same, but it's very much focusing on like, oh, like I'm down on myself because I, I feel like I'm not doing everything like everyone else is and everything like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, screw it. As long as you're happy, you're happy. Um, but the lows is a amazing song and then he comes in with this acoustic actually you know i'm going to talk about the song darkness records it's an acoustic song i (laughs) i've analyzed the lyrics of this i've tried to i don't um i learned this song guitar myself and i still even singing it myself i don't know really what it's about it's very (laughs) it makes references to star wars at the ending line talks about you know um getting another chance with someone um the lyrics however all around seem kind of all over the place but it's amazing um writing in general by jeff during this album you can tell this was his breakthrough of wanting to be a solo musician and it's it's carried into his um later work with post worry no dream <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> no dream that was bad um but not no dream itself, but um my voice. <laughs> no dream. Um I might listen I might that might be one of our next reviews. Who knows? But it's um you know, you can feel, you know, as he ages more in those albums, it, the style definitely changes, but this is him transitioning over into that style of worry and pose talking about um the different uh things going on in the scene and the community of DIY. And this is kind of his crossover from uh, kind of like a, you know, crazy driven punk who's hell bent on like, you know, sticking it to the man and all this. Like, I'm going to show the world. And he's kind of like, 
yeah, I still want to do that, but I'm in my 30s and like <laughs> I got to get a job, I got to pay my rent and stuff like that and reality hits you. You know, it's hard it's easier to have these big dreams and aspirations when you're younger, but then like as we see through this album, he's like it's harder when everyone else around you doesn't seem to stick with that mantra when they did before. Again, I but album-wise, ten out of ten, because this is this is a baby to me. I love this album. This is how I got introduced to Jeff Rose's stock. How, after Worry came out, I was able to go see him when I was seventeen years old, and like, <laughs> that, okay, you know, what? I'm gonna tell this story then. Um, seventeen years old, I'm going into. <laughs> it was the Union Transfer, and I want to say that me and my buddy Will were probably the youngest people there. <laughs> we were. Um, it was definitely an older crowd, but there were a few high school kids, college kids, but then you got guys in their, like, their 40s who were going insane in the pit. They're just jumping around, going crazy. I, I, lo- I thought it was insanely funny. I thought it was great. I loved it. They, they hung in there. I'm like, <laughs> at first I'm like, oh, no, someone's maybe jokingly. I'm like, oh, I go with my buddy. Well, I'm like, do you think someone's going to break a hip? And he's like, shut up. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. Um, but it was an older crowd, and it was definitely more interesting he brought up, oh, God, what's, uh, what's it? Oh, it was Nausea. Nausea, he brings out the saxophone. Oh, that's great. When he has this, like, amazing saxophone solo, and that's where you kind of get this, like, big ska brassiness. He brought it out on stage, and he's almost crowd surfing and playing it. It was, and I loved it. It was a great concert. Jeff Rosenstock Live is just a madness mosh pit. At that point, like, yeah, the song's about getting old. Screw age at that point. It's just everyone comes together for it. Um, but yeah, that's my, <laughs> that's my little spiel on uh Jeff Rosenstock and going to see him in his albums. So uh, that's gonna be it for today. Um, if you you know, like I said, these are again two radically different albums, very different flows from a lazy Sunday afternoon to a more you know take down the government man or like getting older kind of feel to it. Um, either way amazing albums i'm very happy i got to review these today actually these were on my list of albums i was very excited for um so with that hope you all have a lovely day and thank you for listening to vinyl pioneer